Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Yeah, Chris Foy from the, the Daily Mail joins us uh, out of the UK. Uh, Chris, thanks for coming on and giving us some time, mate. You, you just written a uh, a great article uh, in the last day about uh, South Africa joining the Six Nations, looking like 2025. Um, how's this come about, and how the heck are they going to get Italy out of there? Morning, guys. Hope you're well. Um, yeah, it's been a, a bit of a crazy day with responses to this story. It's, it's, it's certainly mm. sort of a stirred up a bit of a storm. Um, look, there's there's a way to go on all of it. This is all just stuff bubbling away behind the scenes, but it has really, really been sort of uh, discussed and pushed uh, board, at boardroom level uh, amongst the powers that be in the game. There's been a lot of this discussion going on. I've heard various different sort of points of view about it. Um, but the simple fact is, I think South Africa have been looking north, thinking that's where they're sort of future lies for a while there's been obviously as you guys well know the sort of the fragmentation of super rugby and how that's changed you know during the covid period and then you know the south african sides joining the united rugby championship and coming into european cups and and i think the whole sort of vision involved uh, ultimately the springboks joining the six nations and that's been on the cards for a while we did a a story in the Daily Mail a couple of years ago about how this was sort of in the pipeline and uh, it came up again yesterday because obviously there'd been the Sanzar announcement about their broadcast deal so it sort of became quite a topical issue again but I'm, I'm led to believe that this is still very much in the pipeline of South Africa making that switch and there is some opposition um, amongst certain sort of quite powerful people but ultimately CVC who have invested in the sport all over the place and ploughed a lot of money in seem to be in favour and to be honest I just think once private equity is involved and they decide they want something they tend to get what they want. Mm. 
It tends, mm. tends to be the way. Uh, I mean, CVC have spent $743 million New Zealand to get in here. Uh, they've got a one-seventh stake in the Six Nations, which means they've got equal stakes with each of the other nations. Uh, obviously, Italy it looks like the ones uh, that are the scapegoat. And we know South African rugby you know, isn't exactly flush at the moment. So how will that work? I mean, if you're going to remove the Italians, you'd expect it has to be the South African Rugby Union that buys them out. But I don't know that they're in a position to do it, are they? I think, and again, I think this is where CVC become the key, the key player in all this. Uh, it's difficult anything to do with them because they're very secretive. We, we, you know, we've all been there trying to bang the door down for conversations with them, interviews, try and get their point of view across, like present your vision for the game. They don't tend to be too keen to do that. They want to work behind the scenes very secretively. Um, but I think a lot of people saw what they did in Formula One and they've done in other sports where. Obviously, their agenda is to push the maximising of revenue as quick as possible, really tap into new markets, you know, load up on broadcast deals and uh, innovations that mean you sort of uh, enhance the package, like the brand of the sport, if you like. And Mm. essentially, the bottom line is the Six Nations has been carrying a weak link for a while. And as as harsh as that may (laughs) be. sound that's the fact of the matter that Italy have been a long way off the pace they haven't won a game since 2015 and and what's quite ironic is there's been a huge backlash in these part in this part of the world today from people saying how dare anyone question Italy's place a lot of the same people have been saying Italy don't deserve to be here and get Georgia in or get promotion <laughs> and relegation going for the last few years yeah. so it just depends which which sort of uh, angle people are coming at but that the, the you know, they've been seen as vulnerable for a while, but you can't just go into a tournament knowing one of the teams is just going to lose every game every year. Hey, Chris, it's Izzy here, mate. Great to have you on the show. What's the underlying, what's the feeling like towards CVC and these private equity firms coming in and having so much power and stake? We've got a topical debate down here, down south with uh, Silver Lake Steel. They've just come on and, and bought a stake in the commercial co of New Zealand Rugby, and there's you know, everyone's there's a few people for, there's a few people against. What's the underlying feeling over in over in the north? I, I think, to be honest, that the, the feeling here would be the same feeling that people following the sport in New Zealand would have, which is that mm. uh, the, the average person following the game, members of the public who want to follow the game, have have the sort of the game at heart, if you like. They want to see, they want to see the game. They're interested in the players and the teams and mm. who's going to win, who's going to lose, and, and proper competitions involving the best players and the best teams and all the politics of it, all the finance of it doesn't really matter to people who are following the game. They just love the romance and the excitement of the sport and that's as it should be. But So I think there's quite a backlash against any sense that, if you like, the tail's wagging the dog, that the, the, the investors hidden away behind the scenes are dictating terms to all the, the unions and the clubs and, and they are the real sort of power brokers behind the scenes now. But the, the simple fact is, and this applies all over the world, the game has been on a precipice financially. It was before COVID, but COVID came along and made it even worse. And I just think mm. we're in, we're in a, a, an era where the bottom line about how much is it going to make us is going to be the only is going to be the only real factor. Those people who've got to make the decisions will just say, well, what does this pay and what does this pay, and weigh up the two. Whichever pays more is going to get the vote. And you know, in in the case of the Six Nations, there's a whole unstitching of almost like the constitution and what would ha- how would it work if they did actually say we want to bring one team in and remove another team? 
that team if it's mm. Italy would have a veto in theory but this has never been done before and and again when there's when there's that big factor of private equity involved I just tend to have this suspicion that if they decide right this is the way we're going to go they will get there it might be messy yeah. along the way but mm. they'll find a way Chris, uh, I mean, the, this investment, I guess you would call it, in uh, trying to turn Italy into another world power in rugby, uh, feels like it'll all have been a big waste of time if if it goes the way it looks like it's going to go. I mean, we've just seen Italy in the under-20s beat the England under-20s. So it's obviously having yeah. some effect, and obviously this is three years away. I mean, we could be in a situation where 2025, just as they get kicked out, they start becoming competitive. I mean, what's the take on that? And is there an opportunity that this becomes the Seven Nations? Yeah, well, this is the thing. Seven Nations is not off the table. This is not an absolute dumb deal that it will be bring one in, remove one. The, it, the information I have is that that is the more likely scenario. And you can understand why, where if you are talking about a company behind the scenes who are looking at simply wringing every commercial drop out of something, they're going to want to see it being the most competitive, vibrant, you know, um, uh, even well-balanced sort of competition. So I, I get the logic of, well, we can't carry one team who are a long way below the standard of the rest. But at the same time, expansion is not completely off the table and it will inve- inevitably still be discussed because, as we all know, much as everyone talks about player welfare is our number one priority, the rugby governance model is, if in doubt, just play more games. I'll tell you what we'll do, we'll just play some more games. Let's create another competition. Let's have a World Club Cup. Oh, well, we can't fit it in. Well, we'll find a way. That's always the way they yeah. tend to operate. They'll just find a way to play more games. So this is not a sort of done deal at this stage, but the 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 way it seems to be going is that the sort of the plan A scenario that's being talked about would involve not expanding and just switching one for another. Now, if they get into the nitty-gritty of, as I said, almost like the constitutional element of how that will work, how it all gets picked apart and decided and they find out that he's not viable, then again, driven by private equity, no doubt they will push for expansion. And that will involve having to play, uh, pay uh, a hell of a lot more compensation to clubs for another weekend of their season being taken away, potentially, and so on. Um, so there's, there's various layers to it. Um, but yeah, exp- expansion is not completely off the table, but it sounds like at this stage, uh, one for the other, uh, a, a swap, if you like, is the, is the sort of preferred option. Chris Foy from the Daily Mail, the, uh, the, the, the rugby writer-in-chief there. Thank you very much for coming on on your day off, mate. We'll let you get back to the family. I uh, really appreciate Thanks, it. Chris. Go well. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers, uh, Chris Foy there with us. Here's Emma with news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand.